you're seeking biblical wisdom and understanding in these difficult and trying times, and you recognize the power of God's Word to delve deep into the issues of the heart, then welcome to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Kwasney, husband, father, counselor, author, and teacher. Join us for Christ-centered, gospel-driven truth concerning our individual, marital, and parenting struggles. This is Biblical Counseling Today. Raising children is first about teaching them things they don't know how to do or don't know how to do on their own. We teach our children how to talk. We teach them how to walk. Then they learn how to run all on their own. We teach them what to wear, what child really wants to put on shoes even though it's 30 degrees outside. And then there are those children who would rather not wear clothes either. We teach them what to eat so they don't just eat candy and desserts all day long. But the most important life lesson of all is teaching them to obey. After all, that's the first lesson we learn when we become adopted children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. We have to move from being disobedient children to obedient ones. It is not natural or normal for children to obey their parents especially when it involves something they don't want to do or would rather do. Yet we can often be surprised at our child's disobedience, can't we? We can take it as a personal affront, as if our child is just determined to do the opposite of our wishes. Well, yes, it is personal in a way. Who really wants to submit to someone else's will? A person in charge can easily become the bad guy. Now, as parents, we can understand a little bit of disobedience. But what about disobedience that is chronic and rebellious? What about the child who just leads with no for pretty much everything? What do we do about that? Christian psychologist James Dobson would call that child a strong-willed child. Well, that certainly is a nice way to put it. Sounds much better than chronically disobedient, rebellious child. Well, I don't know about you, but I think all of my children have had strong wills. They all would rather have their will be done rather than my will be done. In whatever form it takes, every child struggles with plain old disobedience. None of them really want to obey us or obey God. None of them come out of the womb, look at us with loving, adoring eyes, and proclaim their undying willingness to obey us. Of course, we also need to talk about how we are part of the disobedience problem as parents. As disobedient children ourselves, we fail to perfectly instruct and discipline our children. And sometimes we forget that we are not the Holy Spirit, demanding a change of heart that only God can do by His grace. The bottom line is that disobedience is a sin problem that is made worse by factors that both parent and child contribute. We need the grace of God to parent with grace and dig down deep to solve our child's plain old disobedience. Obeying parents is not some sort of construct invented by adults, like some would suggest. In an age where parental authority continues to be diminished and attacked, it is tempting to think that the demand for obedience is just our way of controlling children, or treating them as slaves or servants. Granted, in our sin, we can certainly become controlling or treat our children with disdain. But requiring obedience of children comes from God himself, 
not us. Two familiar verses make that clear. Ephesians 6, 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And then Colossians 3, verse 20, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Parents are simply the enforcers of God's command for children to obey us. Not too many children are going to pick up Bibles at age three, read Ephesians 6, 1 and Colossians and say, oh, that's how I best please the Lord. I am now going to obey my parents in everything. Parents are the ones who need to train children to obey in their own obedience to God. Of course, this looks different at every stage of development, so let's think about what obedience should look like as a child ages. First, infant disobedience. When do children begin disobeying their parents? I typically get this question by way of another question. When should I start disciplining my child? I know we like thinking about our infant children as angelic, simply eating, sleeping, cooing, and crying a little bit. But unfortunately, they are also born sinners. They don't simply learn to sin as they get bigger and bolder, and they don't just learn to sin from those bad kids down the street. The first time we tended to notice child disobedience was during the whole diaper-changing experience, let's say around six months or so. Now, it is certainly normal for a baby to squirm around while you are changing his or her diaper. But at some point, when you're saying something like, stay still, and that baby looks at you with eyes that say, no, thank you, you then know it's time to start disciplining. Again, you are charged with teaching your child to obey, not angrily punishing when he or she doesn't obey. So your baby on the changing table needs a firm no or stay still, with a quick little spanking on the leg or or back end to go along with it. Now, I know that may sound to some like I'm advocating beating a baby who doesn't know any better. And for you who are in the anti-spanking crowd, this will obviously seem like an ancient barbaric practice as well. But the reality is that an infant will start to disobey earlier than you think, and you'll need to learn to teach him or her how to obey your voice and follow your instructions. The other typical times to teach obedience are nap time and bedtime, as well as mealtime. At all these key times, you as a parent are establishing the standards of obedience. Just to be crystal clear here, your baby is not being disobedient when he or she is crying and you just command, stop crying. Babies cry for many reasons, of course, hunger, fatigue, pain, etc. As they move to toddlerhood, then they become much more capable to cry out of disobedience. The key here is be ready to teach obedience from the very beginning of childhood, establishing yourself as the loving parent who requires an obedient response. Next, let's look at obedience and disobedience in toddlerhood. Ah, now we get to those terrible twos. How do we get that label for our angelic children? Partly because disobedience becomes more and more the standard response at this stage. Listen to one description of this stage made by one psychologist. Quote, the terrible twos is a normal stage in which toddlers begin to struggle between their reliance on adults and their desire for independence, unquote. Well, while it's true that this is a normal developmental stage... 
It's much more than just a struggle between reliance on parents and desire for independence. As sinners, children want their own way. And now they're beginning to become strong enough and verbal enough to try to make that happen. So at this stage, they need to continue to be taught to obey and receive consequences when they disobey. This reminds me of an illustration I heard years ago on a daytime talk show, back when I worked afternoons and nights as a counselor. There was a child psychologist on this show being interviewed, and here was the question. My two-year-old son Sammy is very disobedient. Every time I tell him no or stop it, he just keeps on doing whatever he wants to do. One thing he loves to do is play with our VCR. You remember VCRs, right? He keeps sticking his toys in the slot or pushes all the buttons. I tell him no, but he looks back at me and giggles and plays with it anyway. I'm afraid he's going to break it. What do I do? Well, here's the response from the child psychologist on that daytime television show. Just put the VCR up higher. Wow, isn't that profound? At first when I heard it, I was all on board with it. Makes perfect sense. Instead of fighting Sammy to obey, make it impossible for him to disobey. Now, there are plenty of things you need to put up higher when you have toddlers in the house. And I am an advocate for those plastic safety buttons all over those electrical outlets. But this was just insanely unbiblical advice, rooted in the philosophy of attempting to make it impossible for children to disobey. Just take away all opportunity and temptation. So in that advice about the VCR, how will a toddler learn to obey? I submit that our toddlers need to have plenty of opportunities to disobey so they learn what the word no means or stop means or don't do that means. I heard one biblical counselor years ago say that he and his wife took all the doors off the kitchen cabinets simply to teach their child limits. Now, that may be an extreme example, but the point is that we can't and should not wall off all opportunities to disobey. Our children need to know limits and lines they must not cross. A similar problem occurs when we think the solution to the disobedience problem is simply letting a child choose whatever he or she wants. Rather than forcing your toddler to eat certain healthy foods, just let him eat what he wants to avoid the fight. Or when the toddler throws a fit when you take away a toy or screen time, just give it back to him to quiet him down. And the list goes on. The most dangerous thing we can do to our toddlers is never say the word no to them. If you have a very compliant toddler, maybe he is just actually getting everything he wants. So in the case of Sammy and the VCR, keep the VCR where it is. Say no and spank every time he even tries to touch it. Spank him immediately. Do not give him extra warnings or count to three. Continue to tell him why it is not his to touch and that he will continue to be disciplined. During the toddler years, we are attempting to build good behavioral habits. The natural discipline for most disobedient actions is a spanking, not a beating. Timeout is not the best answer. We'll talk about that in a moment.
Now let's jump to the all-important young elementary years, the four- to eight-year-old span. During these years, our children are learning a ton, aren't they? Their vocabulary is growing leaps and bounds. They are now potty trained, riding a bike, learning to read, going to school. Lord willing, they are even coming to faith in Jesus Christ. So let's talk about plain old disobedience during these years by interacting with some of the wisdom found on parenting internet sites. And I have wisdom here in quotes. Here's the first piece of wisdom. Quote, keep your cool when your child is deliberately disobedient. Your temper can incite his temper, causing further defiance and disobedience. Speak to your child with respect when discussing his disobedience, offering him the opportunity to explain why he acted the way he did. Now, I totally agree with keeping your cool. It is so easy to get angry and frustrated with regular plain old disobedience. It is also tempting to meet fire with fire since you are bigger and stronger than your child at this point. This is not parenting with grace or out of love at all. This is your own sin that needs sanctification. You must be at peace and rest in order to correct disobedience well. I also somewhat agree with this person on the internet that you need to speak to your child with respect. But we must be careful here that we don't fall into the incorrect belief system that says parenting is somehow based on mutual respect. Children are to honor and respect parents. Parents are to love children. But that doesn't mean we aren't firm and forceful when necessary. Mutual respect is not the greatest need. Parents being the authority and children obeying are the priorities. Finally, there is a time and place for your young child to explain why he disobeyed. Yet this must be a very careful conversation. Children will often make excuses for their behavior, rationalize it, and attempt to manipulate out of being punished. The why discussion needs to come after the discipline and not be a way out of getting out of trouble. We certainly want to understand why a child disobeyed, but he usually won't say something like, because I'm a sinner in need of a savior, or because I love getting my own way. You may have to actually tell your child why he is doing what he is doing. You know his heart and mind much better than he does at this point in his life. Now here's a second quote from an internet helper. Quote, let natural consequences teach your child that his disobedience comes with negative consequences. For example, if your child refuses to put his bicycle inside the garage at night, let him suffer the consequences. In this case, the bike will eventually rust or someone will steal it, leaving him without a bike to ride. Learning from personal experience is an effective method of punishment for disobedient children. Unquote. Now, in principle, I'm all for natural consequences. At this age, I think it's even helpful to write out a code of conduct that matches each disobedience with its natural occurring consequence. For example, if you have a no-stealing rule on the code of conduct, the natural consequence is that your child would have to give back what he stole plus something of his own for reparations. But I do find the example given here a little over the top. While having Johnny's bike rust or get stolen is certainly a natural consequence, he may just say he didn't care about having a bike anyway. Or he may have birthday money and just 
get a new one to ruin. I would be making sure Johnny puts his bike in the garage every night or there would be other consequences, losing free time, doing more work detail around the house, etc. Sometimes an over-reliance on natural consequences can make a parent look pretty passive, allowing the child to learn all on his own. Obedience should be required and disobedience not be allowed to go on and on until the natural consequence kicks in at some point in the future. An over-reliance on natural consequences may end up being a way to avoid spanking or difficult confrontation. Here's a third quote from an internet source. Quote, take away a privilege when your child deliberately disobeys a rule once you clearly explain the consequence for disobedience. For example, you might make it clear to your child that you expect him to come inside and get ready for dinner when you call him. And if he doesn't, you will take away his privilege of playing outside before dinner for two days. Then if you call him inside and tell him that you want him to get ready for dinner and he deliberately goes back outside and continues playing, take away his privilege of playing outside before dinner for the next two days as promised. This is a way to help teach him that a few extra minutes of playing outside isn't worth being stuck inside for two days and you mean what you say. Now this advice isn't too bad. Similar to natural consequences, there are times to take away privileges when there is deliberate disobedience. But let's strengthen it a bit and make it more biblical and grace-centered. You want your child to know you mean what you say and to learn that their choices have consequences. But more importantly, they need to learn that they are disobeying a holy God who has commanded them to obey their parents. It is God who means what he says, and disobedience to God doesn't mean the loss of a few privileges. We often continue to enjoy blessings in spite of our disobedience. The real loss is the enjoyment of our relationship with him. So what Bobby needs to learn is that he is being self-centered rather than God-centered in his desire to play as long as he wants to play. He is not just disobeying his parents' wishes, he is choosing self over God. This is a heart problem on top of a disobedience problem. Well, now here's a fourth quote from an internet psychologist. Don't make empty threats. Think about the consequences you set before you relaying them to your child. For example, if you tell your child that if he disobeys you one more time, he's never playing outside again, you better be prepared to never let him out of the house to play again, or you risk teaching him that your threats are empty. Now, I couldn't agree more. It is our own sin as parents when we make wild, sweeping threats that end up being empty. I once had a couple in my office that told their child she was going to be grounded for one year if she missed her curfew. What an impossible punishment to realistically carry out. And by the way, she did miss her curfew, and they were in the middle of this one year of grounding when they saw me. The key here is to give the clear discipline consequence when you give the command. Here are some examples. Billy, you can play your video game until 7 o'clock. If you're still playing at 7.01, then you will not be able to play until next Saturday. Jan, your room must be cleaned spotless, including the closet, in one hour. 
If I check it in one hour and it's not clean, then you will continue cleaning and there'll be no TV time tonight. Then make your child repeat the command as well as the consequence. This will help discipline you from making empty threats as long as you follow through in the end. Here's a fifth example. Keep your discipline appropriate for the disobedient act. Whether you take away privileges or ground your child, make sure that the consequence is appropriate and not too harsh so that your child can learn from the experience and doesn't feel that you are treating him unfairly. For example, if you tell your child that he can go to a friend's house down the street as long as he's home by 5 p.m., don't ground him for a month if he's an hour late. Grounding him this long might result in a worsening of his behavior because he might feel like he has nothing left to lose since he's already lost a privilege for so long. Again, there's a lot of truth to this parenting advice. The discipline must fit the crime. But let's take this one a step further. If you ground for a month, that not only allows your child to think he has nothing left to lose, but it also doesn't give him a new opportunity to obey for a long time. Discipline for plain old disobedience must be appropriately painful, but also swift and short. This is grace. Grace gives another chance to obey, and another, and another, and another. It is typically out of parental frustration that we feel we must do something more extreme to extinguish disobedience once and for all. No, what works is consistency and dealing with every disobedient act as it comes. The Holy Spirit has to do the real work of heart change. Now here's one last piece of parenting wisdom from an internet parenting site. The first and most important thing you can do is to get on their side really get on their side. This means deciding that your relationship is more important than one of their choices. It means seeing this parent-child relationship as something alive and tender that will last both of your lives. It means protecting the relationship, dropping unnecessary parenting rules, and getting into your child's mind to see what's going on. Children want to please their parents. They want love and affection and attention from parents. If your child is consistently acting in a way that is causing friction between you two, then there's something deeper going on. Now's not the time to get more strict. Well, this one is going to take a bit more analysis. To be honest, it hurts my head a bit. I understand that this council highly values the relationship between parent and child. And so should we as Christian parents. Children are a gift from the Lord, and we need to have the best relationship possible. But I am troubled by this idea of getting on a child's side, or as others put it, being your child's greatest cheerleader. The reality is that you must first be on God's side, and you then welcome your child to take God's side as well. We must never forget that for whatever reason the child is disobeying, disobedience against parents is rebellion against God and his commands. Even when we figure out what is going on in the child's mind, his behavior is demonstrating he is against God and for himself. The relationship is not necessarily more important than your child's choices. Not if this means getting rid of biblical rules and commandments. 
what good is it if parent and child are close and love each other, but the child is rebelling against God and making horrible choices? No, it's not relationship over rules. It's rules that set the relationship. Jesus made this clear to his disciples when he said, If you love me, you will keep my commands. A child demonstrates love for parent and love for God as he or she obeys. And no, a child doesn't necessarily want to please parents or even gain their love and attention. Sometimes they do, but other times they want to please self and get attention any way possible as center of their own universe. This parenting advice, unfortunately, is grounded in a view of the innocent child who is inherently moral and good. Yes, this person is right. There may be something deeper going on. But this parenting expert doesn't understand that it is probably deep idols of the heart that are hard to give up. Stricter rules won't solve the problem of the heart, but neither will abandoning them. Just to be clear, it is vital to foster a healthy biblical parent-child relationship, even when your child is consistently disobedient. But this must never be conceived of as a friend-friend or a peer-to-peer relationship. In the end, there's a parent and there's a child. It's not about mutuality. It's about godly authority and godly submission and obedience. Finally, let's talk about the disobedience of older children. We'll have to save teenagers for another podcast, but let's run through some basic principles for handling plain old disobedience in older children. First, disobedience can get more dangerous. As children get bigger, they can do more damage when they disobey you. So to put it another way, the stakes get that much higher. Older children can become more secretive with their disobedience, or it can become much more overtly rebellious in nature. We must take disobedience just as seriously, not allowing them to get their own way just so we keep the peace. Second, older children do need more freedom and choices. This is where we start to transition as parents from total control to more and more independence. While our children are still in our homes, we want them to make some bad choices, to disobey our rules so they'll continue to learn. Again, we're seeking long-term heart change, not just temporary conformity to our rules. Obedience needs to move from the external to the internal. As hard as it is to give disobedient preteens more freedom, beware of treating them only as disobedient children. They need to grow up. Third, be careful not to escalate punishment. With older children who are often disobedient, parents can just keep on taking away privileges to the point that there are no privileges left. Escalating the punishments will often just escalate the war and create an attitude of, I'm always the bad son or daughter in your child's mind. And you can end up taking away some good and healthy things as well, like going to youth group or having friends over, etc. Keep the consequences more natural and consistent and temporary. Fourth, speak more and more to the heart. 
Our older children are more able to articulate what is going on in their minds and hearts. They are developing the ability to be analytical. So more and more conversations are required, not for them to talk their way out of consequences, but to talk through how they are thinking. Remember, we are always digging deep into the heart, not just settling for behavior change. Draw out how they are thinking and how they are feeling. Fifth, point them to the gospel of grace found in Jesus Christ alone. Your disobedient children certainly need this all along the way, but your older children are at the point of either embracing Jesus, professing faith in him, or continuing to reject him to go their own way. Every time they disobey is now a time to talk deeply about sin, the gospel, our inability to follow God's command perfectly on our own, and our need for Jesus and the work of the Spirit. We don't want just little Pharisees. We want imperfect lovers and followers of Jesus. And sixth, be consistent. Again, this simple but difficult rule goes for all ages. But older kids can smell out our hypocrisy and our inconsistencies. You will never be totally consistent in your parenting, but we must always strive to be more and more consistent by God's grace. Follow through. Don't make idle threats. Don't just try to intimidate your children into submission. Don't discipline out of anger. Keep the rules consistent. Keep your no consistent. Remember, we are looking for our older children to begin to embrace God's law and a life of following his commands, not just yours. Well, there's so much more that we could talk about when it comes to the broad umbrella of childhood disobedience. I will cover some of these things as we continue in these podcasts about parenting struggles. Remember that just as you find it a daily struggle to obey your Heavenly Father, it is not easy for our children to obey us. Yet we still point them to their responsibility as children and the great blessings of obedience in all things from the heart. Thank you for listening to Biblical Counseling Today with Dr. John Kwasney. This weekly podcast is supported by Biblical Counseling and Training Ministries, which you can learn more about at bctministries.com. If you have found yourself encouraged or challenged today, please share this podcast with your church, family, and friends. Rate us on iTunes and your social media outlets. It really helps. Until next time, may you enjoy the riches of God's compassionate grace and mercy in your life.